Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to the Bootstrapped Experience podcast, where each week Bjorn and I discuss the ups and downs of bootstrapping our SaaS businesses. So let's dive right in. Bjorn, what have you been up to? Yeah, Happy New Year to begin with. Uh, yeah, I've been up to a lot, I think. Made a new hire in this last week. It's my wife, so I'm pretty happy about that. It took me nine years to talk her into it. But otherwise, I've been uh, sort of starting the year feeling pretty motivated, getting some good stuff done on our app kit, moving forward with that together with Arjun, a developer, making good progress. We're still sort of in the whole setting up phase there. But otherwise, yeah, uh, took a Christmas break, enjoyed the the New Year's, but we're kind of locked down here in Denmark now. So not much to do, but work sometimes. Yeah, same here. So what's your wife going to be doing for you? She's going to be marketing and uh, bookkeeping. So it's something that she's been uh, doing for the company that she works for now. But she's been there for like four and a half years, uh, five years almost. And time for a change, you know, try something new. I've been trying to talk her into uh, support for many years, but it it requires sort of a technical mindset and to really get into what my apps do and everything else. And that's never been so super easy to sell her on because it's not something that she wanted to do. But now I've been looking for somebody for marketing for a little while. And she's always got a, had a great eye for like social and, and also design. So it goes up her alley. She's built the, like the website for her previous work. And then she's been doing their bookkeeping as well. She'll be a lot involved with getting things off my plate so I can focus more on product and less on the stuff around it, I guess you could say. Making sure that like email newsletters actually go out monthly instead of like randomly when I actually find time to do it. So that, that's the plan. But yeah, it was, it's going to be good fun to, to work together with her. That's cool. Are, are there any like uh, big marketing initiatives you have in mind to start this year? Yeah, definitely. I want to do more like content. So uh, article, long form articles and things like that. And, you know, I don't think the idea would be that she's writing them, but to think up the ideas and then have contact with the actual writers that are going to produce the content and everything. Because I've, I've heard and seen other people do really well with content around Shopify, sort of a nice long tail on it as well. And then, as I mentioned, doing, you know, getting the newsletters up, uh, working a bit around branding as well, because at the moment, you know, I think all my apps use the same icon and things like that. So it'd be really nice to have, how to say, somebody that has the time to sit down and really sort of uh, go into the details and really polish things up and sort of rethink some of the branding around the apps. Nice. Yeah, you know, I've actually, I've seen a couple really good resources just recently on SEO and content marketing that I've been pouring through because I've been kind of thinking about starting more of that myself. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. The one is called Doing Content Right by Steph Smith, I think her name is. It's like one of the better resources I've seen. It's an ebook. The thing I found really cool about it is like I can write an article and then I never know what to do with it. Like when it's done. So this had a really good long section on figuring out how to actually distribute your content, um, which for me is what I struggled with. Yeah, definitely. Because I think, you know, one of the great things once you have some content is that you can repurpose it for a bunch of things. So you can use it like, you know, in, in its original sort of blog form or long form, but you can also take like parts of that and break it out into social campaigns or, um, little parts for the website or even like, uh, do a collection of them to create a little ebook or something. I'd, I'd definitely check that out because I think it'll be perfect. Yeah, yeah, it has a lot of good info about that kind of stuff because it just it definitely doesn't come natural to me. Any of the content marketing, I constantly see it recommended for Shopify apps that it should really be content marketing. It does have good returns, 
I've just never spent enough time with it to, to make it work for me. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's really hard. I'm, I don't enjoy writing. I'm not sure about you, but I don't love like sitting down and spending a day writing an article. I usually do it if I want to try and remember something myself or like, how did I do this? So they end up being more technical than, than uh, something useful towards my customers. But I, I can definitely see how it's useful and also just doing, you know, maybe think about doing some content around like help or support as well, like showing features of the apps. I think a lot of people have, have done well spending time creating like a full catalog of how to use this app well. Um, but you can re then repurpose much of that into social and, and content as well. Yeah, I've considered that because I, I think I have that content already, but it goes out in an onboarding email sequence, whereas I really should put that you know, on the site somewhere. And I think that could help a lot. Yeah, definitely. I think that'd be a quick win for you as well, because you've got the content already. It's just a matter of presenting it and making it sort of findable, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah maybe I'll think about doing that this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you've been busy, uh, I see on Twitter. Uh, what have you been up? Well, I need a little bit of a break from Translate CI. And since I can't go anywhere, I create a new Shopify app. Uh, tell me more. I see a lot of sites, people that install need A-B testing are typically looking for conversion rate optimization. So they're having some sort of issues with their site when they come to me. And the one like consistent I see across so many sites is just crappy hero images at the top of their homepage. So weird washed out images, or you can't read the text on them, whatever. Just there's like problems there all the time. And so I decided to see if I could do something about that. Uh, so I created an app called Superhero which I could not believe was not taken on the Shopify app store. I was lucky. It's, it's um, a brilliant name. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and basically what it is, is you can either upload your own image or select a free stock photo using the app. And then it's got sort of a pared down photo editor that gives you exactly what you need. So it crops it to the right size for whatever your theme is, it gives you filters to just get the right overlay or whatever on it. And then yeah. um, like the ability to just add nice looking text onto it. Is that is that pulling information from the theme itself then to work out like the sizing or is that? Um... Yeah, I'm definitely going to add that in the future. What it does right now is you can select any of the built-in Shopify themes. It's just a button and it'll crop it to the correct size. But yeah, I think I could definitely, yeah, I think I could definitely automate that in the future. Yeah, definitely. No, I was, I was getting more at like you actually have worked out what the right size is for these different themes yeah. to make sure that they fit well. Yeah. You know, I'm surprised. I feel like that's an opportunity for Shopify too. Like they have that information. It's just super deep in the documentation. I was surprised how difficult it was to find that. Whereas I feel like when you're adding a hero image in the theme editor, that should be like front and center. Yeah, definitely. And I know a lot of the, the paid themes sort of show you and are quite specific about the size that you need. Because if you, I've noticed if you upload, you know, images of the wrong size, it can look pretty janky, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, that was the other thing I saw a lot of times is these people have hero images that you have to scroll to screen lengths just to get to their content. So I think that this, hopefully, hopefully this will help some shops. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's still yeah, an approval. I, I, got, I got rejected the first time because I had a, a broken link somewhere, but. Uh, okay, a single broken link. Yeah, yeah. But, but I guess it, it just means that they are, they are actually checking everything, right? Which is nice. I think they've, I, I have heard they've gotten tougher, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, quality has always been one of those things. And I'm sure, you know, Shopify also gets sort of uh, a lot of support coming in because things just aren't working the way they should be. Um, so 
they're saving themselves time in the end. And I think what I've seen is that they automated a lot of the checks that they do. So it actually goes through some type of build system or some automated script that'll go in and, and check certain things anyway. Okay, I was pretty impressed. Like when the first, so that was actually my second rejection. My first rejection was an automated check. I had spelled superhero with a capital H in one spot, and that obviously got snagged by a uh, by an automated check. Oh wow! So yeah. what is that? Because it's a, a trade name somewhere, or no? No, no. It's because the um, the app is called superhero one word no capital H, and I referenced it in the app at one spot with a capital H, and they said there's a name mismatch. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's, cool. <laughs> that, that's pretty cool, though, right? Yeah, I thought it was cool. Yeah. Oh, nice. So you've submitted it, and now you're waiting on sort of the, or you fix, uh, and then you wait on the all clear. Um, have you done all the app store stuff then as well, like the the yeah. listing and content? Yeah. Yeah, I actually used uh, Looker to come up with all those assets. So uh, ah, yeah, nice. That was, that was really cool. Yeah. Ah, good. Yeah, I saw the. Uh, the tweet that you did, I think it looks cool. Um, but we, we're also talking about uh, how to monetize it. What did you end up going with there? Um, did you go with a subscription or a one-time payment or still working it out? Yeah, so I went with a subscription just because that was the easiest to implement sort of for this MVP type version. Um, but I think I'm going to definitely experiment with that. So I'm just doing $5 a month. I think I, I might keep it to $5 a month, but basically what I'm considering doing is a really low-priced yearly subscription. So like $20 for the year. Yeah, right. Because I think generally like you're going to want to use this once or twice and then probably churn for the most part. So if I can charge a low yearly fee, I think you'll probably just keep it around. And actually, it was funny because when I was using, um, I think it was Luka, I saw they had like a similar thing where it was like the yearly plan was so much cheaper than the monthly plan it was like a 60 percent discount or something that i ended up it was funny like in my head as i was going through this and i had already thought about this for superhero i was like oh it's so much cheaper well let me just do a year i might use this again and i was like oh, that, is, that is a smart idea it works yeah actually as you're talking and, and talking about this i was sort of thinking about all the apps that i have as a one-time payment right and that that works really well because it you know people know what they're going to be paying and then they can use it sort of forever after that. The only problem is that they generally expect support forever, right? Um, so I, I get a lot of customers that bought a, a email theme, say, um, like two, three years ago, and they come back, hey, I'm, I need help with this, or you know, uh, can you help me uh, update this particular thing? And and we never say no, so we just help people, right? But it does have like a ongoing cost. And the more people, you know, over the years, we've sold a lot of these. So of the amount of support that's generated from these people is quite high. And doing it as instead of like a one-time fee, you do a, a one-year fee is actually a really interesting thing to, to think about instead of, uh, because it sort of helps with that problem. And I know theme developers have it as well, where, you know, you buy a theme once and then you've got to support this person forever. Um, yeah, just a, it sort of kicked off some ideas in my head when you were talking about that anyway. I think it's a really clever way to do it. Yeah, I had actually looked into, just out of curiosity, like theme development at one point, and that was my takeaway. was like, God, I'm just going to have to support this forever, not making more money from these people. And that just seems like as it grows, it's just going to become unmanageable. Yeah, and that's that's it seems fine in the, in the beginning because you don't have that many customers, right? But I think I've 
you know, sold over 50,000 of, of those different templates, right, over, over the years. And that's a lot of people that keep coming back, if it, even if it's only like one a day or whatever, or two a day, it still adds up over time. For sure, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's why theme developers uh, want to charge a lot more up front. That does make sense. Yeah, they do command a much higher price than, than our type of thing. Yeah, and I know a lot of them would like to be able to, um, you know, if they could if they could do it on a yearly basis, then they could reduce the actual buy-in, right? And and of course, then you've got it for a year. And if and if it's not worth it after a year, then you can stop, right? Yeah, and actually, I like, there's like a couple developer tools I use that have kind of the same thing. It's like paying for a year, it gets you access to updates and things like that for a year and support. But after a year, if you choose to stop paying, you can use whatever version you still have, but no support, no updates. And I do kind of like yeah. that. Yeah, and that's I think that's how I do it as well because I'd I'd never want to take something away from them that they're using in their store or, or you know stop it from working. I just don't think that's the right thing. But it would be like a a support uh, fee, I guess you could say. Or hey, while you're paying, you get support. While you're not, you can still continue to use whatever you whatever you've bought. Yeah, I like that. I'm hoping this gets some people with better hero images soon. We'll see. Yeah, definitely. Um, how, do you know how, how long the process usually takes? Uh, to create from, like a hero image? Yeah, or, or, or getting approved and then getting everything, you know, uh, up and running. Uh, well, on the Shopify side of things, I mean, they, they did review it about two days after I submitted it. So I imagine it'll probably be, assuming I pass this check, I did fix the link. So I think we'll be good. It should probably be out by the time this, this podcast is released. Ah, nice. Okay, yeah, I thought it was a lot longer. I've heard like two weeks to four months. Uh, sorry, to to a month, but uh, that's quick. Yeah, they seem to be working through fast right now. That's good. Ah, nice. Yeah, cool. I, mean, I think it was like I think it was like two months the first time with need AB testing before they yeah. checked it for the first time. Which. Oh wow! Yeah, that's a long time to wait. I guess I've waited a couple of weeks, um, but it's been a while since I've submitted a new app. So, um, but I'm hopefully going to change that in coming this year. Yeah, actually, it was really funny. So when I submitted the free app, um, this was the second app I submitted, and it took two months or whatever for me to be testing them to look at it. So I was like, okay, I want this free app out. I submitted it before I started working on it, um, just assuming it was going to take two months. And then they checked it like three days later <laughs> and rejected it. <laughs> Which is fair enough, I guess, right? At that yeah, point. Yeah, that was my clever idea, but yeah, it didn't pan out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's cool. Um yeah, so you've been doing that instead of Translate CI. Are you now moving back onto Translate CI again, or have you got more work yeah, to do? Yeah, yeah. So as of this week, I'm back on Translate CI, and I'm just trying to get reacquainted with the code base because I kind of forgot how everything worked. But it's yeah. like really close. I think next week, so I have a couple of people that will volunteer to be like beta users. So hopefully I can get it out to them next week. Uh, we nice. See. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, I'm just quite surprised that you were able to sort of create a uh, a whole new app and have it submitted um, to to Shopify as well during you know the holidays. It's like two weeks ago. <laughs> <I've talked. laughs> uh, well, I, I normally am really slow, but there's so many nice tools out there that didn't exist when we started. I mean, there's this crazy Laravel package that just handles all. It's, it's kind of like your your API kit your app kit that just handles all the subscription stuff, all the billing, all the, you know, authentication. I mean, that's huge. I had to roll that stuff myself and I still, it still occasionally gives me problems. Yeah, definitely. 
it's fantastic. I mean, that saved me a ton of work. You know, the photo editor, I licensed a photo editor that was super customizable. So piecing, piecing together the right building blocks, I guess you could say. Yeah, this is definitely like, a, like I think the definition of like a micro SaaS, really small project. We'll see how it does. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, kind of like it's low priced like, small thing. Yeah, but those, I mean, they can also have legs on it, but you know, like as you say, you didn't really find anything else that can do a similar thing. And you know, people through your need AB testing have, have been sort of struggling with these types of things. So I think it's a, it'd be fun to follow along and, and see what happens. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully I have something to report next week. Yeah. Sounds good. Cool. I saw on, on Twitter today, you're having some, some Shopify issues with PayPal. What's, uh, what's yeah. going on there? Oh, it's a bit of a rant, really. <laughs> no, it's not nothing to do with Shopify themselves, except that they limit you to being paid out via PayPal. So uh, twice a month, they'll send you your money, 7th and 22nd, I guess they send us for the last 15 days. And then so for US-based app developers, that doesn't really matter because you can just pay out to a normal bank account and, and everything's good, right? You might pay a $10 fee or something. But for, for us outside of the US that aren't, or just basically if we're outside of the US, uh, now PayPal want to take 3% to transfer that money, even if it's being transferred to a US dollar account. So before we were able to, so like if they, if they send, or PayPal receives the US dollars and then I want to get it paid out to Denmark. So in that there's a conversion like from US dollars to Danish krona. And PayPal would take 2.5% for that conversion of the total amount. So it, it's quite a lot of money once you get up uh, into thousands. And then and so a lot of us were using something like TransferWise where you can set up uh, bank accounts around the world where you can deposit money, right? So it's, a, it's an account in my name, but as soon as it goes into to that account, then it turns up in my TransferWise account. And then it, within TransferWise, you can do a really uh, cheap, conversion at the actual market rate. But now, now PayPal has sort of caught on to uh, that a lot of people are doing this. So so um, instead of stopping us from sending money to a US dollar bank account, they've basically said, well, if you want to do that, it's going to be 3% uh, fee instead of the 2.5% uh, conversion fee. Mm-hmm. So they're basically just you know locking in our money in PayPal unless we cough up this uh, 3% fee, which in my case is like $3,000 a month. Uh, yeah. $3,000 a month just in PayPal fees, which I'm That's not right. getting any service for it. I'm not getting anything at all. And any other bank would do it for, you know, maybe like $200 or something. Um, wow. Yeah. And I, I was trying to work out when it changed and what communication I got and all this type of thing. And the only, I, I started looking on PayPal's website and I found it like in a footnote of one of their uh, terms changes sort of thing saying any transfers to the U- to USA will now get a, you know, um, this uh, 3% uh, fee added. I feel like the Shopify app ecosystem is growing so much. Like I feel like their PayPal payout might've just been the quickest thing to implement years ago and they probably haven't updated it, but hopefully this might be a move that inspires them to add other options. Yeah, I hope so. There's so many better solutions out there now. Like I know Stripe Connect, Connect can do it. So it's just uh, fully automated and they, they pay out bank transfers, right? Which would mean that I could receive the US dollars into my bank and then my bank can just do the the transfer, uh, sorry, yeah, the exchange, or I could send it to TransferWise or any other account in my name 
Yeah, and I know you can, over a certain size, you can start issuing invoices to Shopify to get it paid out as a bank transfer, but it's no longer an automated process and you have to go in to like their invoicing platform and submit an invoice every month. And then there's a certain lag on when you submit to when you can actually have the money paid out and so forth, right? So it's, it adds like a manual process um, for a lot of people, uh, for me and for Shopify. So it'd be nice just yeah, to see a, a different solution come up there. Yeah, I always worried a little bit about PayPal too. Like I've never had any issues with them, but I just see stories sometimes like, oh, my PayPal account got frozen or for whatever reason. And I, I always kind of thought, man, I feel like it's a point of failure where if something happened to my PayPal account, like how am I going to get paid going forward? So yeah, it's definitely. Like slightly scary. Yeah. It is. And, and especially when it's such a big company, right? That just doesn't seem to be customer centric <laughs> is a nice yeah. way to put it. it. Yeah, it does definitely come on my mind as well and doing these transfers like twice a month or whatever and, and seeing the same if you know where people have hey i've got a hundred thousand dollars stuck in paypal all of a sudden and it's been stuck there for like four months um that, that scares yeah, me right? the stories <laughs> and it's scary yeah for sure yeah who knows what the background is for those things but, but at least yeah it definitely scares me so i'm trying to find different alternatives yeah well hopefully hopefully this will spur them into action yeah definitely I wanted to ask you, I don't know if you're like a goal setter or, you know, if you go back and look at the, the year that's gone, if you have sort of thoughts and goals and like, how, how did last year end for you? I guess is a good question to begin with. Yeah. So it was weird. So I, I always end on a down note with need AB testing because what happens is everyone finishes their, they want to finish their testing before uh, Black Friday. So I have a whole bunch of churn right at the end of the year. And then it starts picking up again in January, but it's always uh, every year I freak out a little bit in December. But yeah, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not good with goals in general. I don't really set them because I don't know. I get too stressed out about them, so I just kind of I don't really plan more than a couple weeks out at any given time. I just kind of show up every day and work. I guess it might not be the ideal, but it kind of I I feel like I've settled into that and it, it works for me. So yeah, I don't really have any uh, big 21 uh, 2021 goals or anything like that. No, no. But, uh, how about you? Yeah, I think it's it's similar, right? Um, I I don't like to plan too far ahead because I think there's too many unknowns. But I like to put some some goals up that are generally like I can hit them sort of thing. I don't put them too crazy because then you know not hitting your goals it freaks me out as well. But hitting some goals which seem doable is always a nice little booster. One of my goals last year, and I guess my goals change throughout the year, right? But was to to hit 7,000 paying customers on my new app. And I just in, well, it wasn't at the end of the year because I have the same problem with uh, December as, as you do. But just on, I think it was like the 15th of December or something, I hit 7,000. And now I'm back down to 6,200. But that, <laughs> and that that's, uh, you know, the whole December thing. But last week we were talking about how my billing on that app is set up so that if, it automatically upgrades and downgrades people depending on how many orders they have. And obviously, you know, after Black Friday and everything, there was a lot more people that went over the 50 order limit and therefore paid for that month and they get counted as a paying customer, right? But then, you know, a month later at the end of December, maybe they're not holding a sale anymore or, you know, business is being more quiet for them as well. Then my paying user number drops quite quickly sort of thing. So I've been watching that counter go down a bit, but I was pretty happy that I actually hit my goal for that app and then 
you know, I guess in the beginning it was like launch one app this year and then, you know, try and grow it by, you know, 25% or something like that. I've stopped making those type of predictions because it's always been going a lot better than I expected it to. I think I'm a bit of a pessimist when I put those kind of numbers out there. Um, That's good though. Yeah. You can uh, smash your goals. Yeah, I think I, I did 125% growth last year, which is pretty crazy considering, you know, everything that happened sort of thing. But I think that was a lot more around like Shopify market just growing insanely and people, you know, clamoring to get online. So I think it'd be interesting to see what happens this year, really. Um, because obviously that's sort of unnatural growth, I'd say. And I wonder how that affects the normal growth that we'd see year to year. Um, I'm really because, curious, like how next year goes without a pandemic driving everyone online. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and maybe like once people get back to hopefully a bit of normality this year, like how will that affect it? Will people, you know, start shutting down those things again and, and moving back to maybe a more uh, traditional retail in some areas? I'm not sure. But yeah, so it ended really well. And then now, like you said, December, it, it sort of goes down. January is pretty quiet. And then for the rest of the year, it's generally upwards. But yeah, I, I don't want to try and predict, you know, how next year is going to be in that sense. But my goal is really just to launch two new apps this year. I think that's that's my main goal. And a lot of that is how quickly we can get AppKit done and then start actually building some things that are interesting, right? At the moment, it's a lot of like plumbing that we're doing. And then once we're done with that, we can actually start doing the actual, you know, building of new apps. And then it'll be fun to see how quickly we can do that once we have this this app kit. Yeah, it's exciting. Do you have do you have anything in mind yet for your new apps, or, or you're just working app kit right now? Yeah, I've, I've got some ideas in mind. I don't I haven't prioritized them yet, and I think I'll I'll wait with sort of saying what they are until until I've got sure. them a bit well formed or I'm actually launching something. I, I think I'll probably start talking about it before then. But but no use giving away ideas before I actually even begun on them. Right? <laughs> That's one of those things I've been seeing more of as well is like copycat apps. So um, obviously, you know, we're doing this podcast so we can share things, um, but I think we need to be smart about it sometimes as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I've had definitely a lot of copycats in the past year or so. And it's it always kind of blows my mind a little bit, especially when they just like use my exact wording for my app page and things like that. Just, yeah. Shopify has actually been pretty good. Like I sent one one that had copied the wording sort of almost word for word. And they, they shut them down and made them change it all. So they banned them. For oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So they, they sort of took it uh, seriously. But I'll say about the apps that I'm sort of thinking of building is that none of them are like new ideas or, you know, I hate to say not innovative, but but they're like, they're things that have been seen before, but I'd like to do them in my own way, I guess, and, and see if I can just, you know, try and improve on on the existing yeah, that makes sense. Hey, one thing I want to circle back about real quick, um, and I know this is an audio medium, but the the counter behind you that lists your customers, that thing is is, is really cool. So Bjorn yeah. basically has like a sort of clock looking thing behind him that has a, a, a like a up to the minute count of his current customers. Can you can you tell me how that works? Yeah, sure. It's it's called a smurl counter. So like S M I I R L. And it's like one of these old school click over counters, right? So it, it's got these like uh, five five separate counters and they tick over. So they like roll around. So each one goes from one to nine and oh, sorry, zero to nine. And then it just clicks over to the right one. And it actually goes, it has a little, uh, uh, how do you say, it goes on the internet 
and then it hits a URL that you give it. So you have like a, a dashboard that you can log into online and then you, you configure which, which URL that this thing should pull a number from. And you can give it, it's just basically a JSON endpoint where you return a number. And then you say, I want you to hit that every 30 seconds, every minute, once every 20 minutes, once an hour, whatever. Yeah, and then just polls that that particular endpoint to tell how many users. In my case, I've set it up to how many paying users I've got. That is really cool. I remember like one of the one of the, the um, happiest days when I started needing A-B testing was just when I finally had to. So I, when I created the app, I set it up to just email me every time someone installed the app. And so one of the happier days is when I was like, I got to, I got to get rid of this email. It's actually awesome. Yeah. It's really nice to see it sort of tick over and you know, it's a good problem to have if you need to start turning off your, uh, your tickers. I turned down the, the update frequency on it um, because it does move up and down and, you know, um, and it makes quite a bit of noise when it clicks over. Um, oh, that's funny. Yeah. So you don't want it happening all the time. But uh, every now and then is nice. Uh, but yeah, like I did something similar actually on on my uh, one-time payment apps. So I've got those set up as a Shopify store on the back end. Well, there is a, a Shopify store um, for each of those apps. And then I, via the API, create an order in those stores whenever somebody buys a template in my app. Um, and the only reason I did it was because then I could get the uh, kitching sound on my, uh, <laughs> on my my phone. So I, I have the the Shopify mobile app installed, and every time you get an order, it can make like an audio. You know, it gives you a sound, and uh, the sound for Shopify's is is awesome. Um, I've now put that on mute as well. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's uh, good fun. What um, what are your plans now then? You continue on uh, Translate CI get get uh, used to the code base again and then uh, see yeah, how that goes. I think, I think my goal hopefully is to bring on the first beta user by about the end of next week and uh, see how it goes. So the big thing I did this week was made a Laravel package so you can install this package into your app so to interact with Translate CI and I hear a lot more interest in that than the Git integration. And I think that's probably because, so the problem is when you, you're sort of giving this unknown app total access to your Git repos, which if you don't know me or you're not familiar with the app might be a little bit of a scary process. The package, they can look and see every line of code in there and see it's not doing anything nefarious. Yeah, and, okay. it's only, and it's only transmitting the translation strings so far, that's really what I've seen people want to use in the beginning. Uh, so I'm just sort of shoring that up, making it great, and then uh, get it shipped okay. out. Okay. Uh, nice. So then the package, it would be more something you run that syncs with your server then to say, hey, I I have changes. Um, give me the translations or, or let me know. When yeah, you've exactly. Got yeah. Okay. So it's more yeah. of like a sync service that you do locally um, without your... Yeah, like as you say, giving the keys to the kingdom sort of thing. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully, I, I mean, I really like the Git integration, and I hope uh, we get to use that more at some point. Like, it's weird. Like, there's kind of a couple issues with it that I don't love. Um, one is, yeah, like I need access to their code base. 
I'm never looking at it. It's all automated. It's like a hard remove once they're done. But I totally understand. Like I would probably be freaked out if I didn't know it either. And the other issue is it's kind of funny is when you install it, like on GitHub, for example, you get a count of the number of users that have this installed. So I imagine in the beginning when you see, oh, two users have this installed, all of a sudden that's another red flag of like, oh God, do I really want to give yeah. these guys access? Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. But. Yeah, that's a shame, right? Because you don't want all that access, but you kind of need it in a sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there any way to say, hey, or are you only getting the information from the pull request itself? Or like, can you limit you know, it? So like, in the yeah. beginning for that first, for that first translation, I really need access to everything. And it just scans through the code to pick up the translation yeah, strings. Right. But yeah. Going from after that, I guess, yeah, I could probably just use the pull request, but in the beginning, yeah, you still need to do the initial one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. But I think that, you know, people are used to using, you know, command line tools and things as anyway, right? So, how would you say? Maybe they want to run it only sometimes. Um, so they get a lot more choice by doing it through the package in a sense. Um, right, right. Yeah. That's the tool that I've I've been using for for my app. It it runs through uh, in ra through rake. So you do like a rake translation sync and it'll send up any new keys you've got and pull down any new translations that you've updated at the same time. And that's worked really quite well. You just got to remember to do it where, you know, the GitHub actions is really nice because it's taken care of it uh, without you having right. to really think about it, right? Yeah, I will say though like I kind of wish um I kind of wish I had realized this in the beginning because the package is much easier uh, to develop than the stuff on my server because I don't have to worry as much about malicious code and things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I could have gotten an MVP out sooner if I had just done this package. Yeah, right. Okay, interesting. Well, and then the idea is then to build more packages for different languages. Um, yeah, and so I, guess I think Ruby next. Yeah, okay, nice. Yeah, then let me know if you need a beta tester on once you've right. got that up. <laughs> to do it. Yeah, I'm sure I will. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, so I'm not sure, you know, it feels a bit more like a, a catch-up episode, this one, but, you know, it's fun to get back into, into work things. But I'm not sure if we have too much uh, more to report this episode. Yeah, no, I think this, uh, that's about it for me. <laughs> yeah. What do you uh, got coming up good. this week, anything? Yeah, so this week's been, I've actually got to do a lot of development this past week, which has been fun. It's nice to sort of, you know, the support team's doing really well, keeping, you know, um, things off my plate. And they're moving to look, like looking to do like a tier two support now, which is going to be really good because it'll take away a lot of stuff from me. And then, yeah, doing doing all the development has been, been good fun again. And then once my wife starts, she obviously has some notice at her existing job. Then once she starts, then she can take care of a bunch of stuff that usually comes up for me here at the beginning of the year. So I'd have to do my bookkeeping and stuff. But she, yeah, she'll join soon enough that I don't have to think about that, which is nice. So I can continue doing uh, development. And I think next week it's going to be more, you know, starting to add some fun features to, to AppKit. And, you know, that's more like... Uh, you know, building out the Polaris components eventually. Maybe not next week, but the week after or something, maybe. Um, and that then it starts to feel a lot more like you're building an app instead of just configuring code, <laughs> which is what we've been doing yes. at the moment. But yeah, other, other than that, not too much. 
hopefully keeping the motivation going. We're locked in here in Denmark at the moment. So schools are closed. So I've got the kids at home. So we're doing a bit of homeschooling every day. Um, but on the 17th, hopefully they can go back. But uh, it's not looking super good at the moment. But let's see. Yeah, it's uh, crazy everywhere. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they haven't locked down here yet, but I think they're getting close. Yeah. Yeah, I think with this new thing that's going around, um, the UK variant, as they call it, um, it's yeah. not Yeah, it's not looking good for, for the winter months, at least. We had some snow yesterday, which is nice. It generally doesn't snow here in Denmark, and uh, it got quite nice. Uh, we could go throw snowballs awesome. outside. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'll let you go. It was uh, fun chatting as always. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, mate. Cheers. Okay. See ya.